face the event. From brand ambassadors and event staffers to magicians and presenters, it's the one and only podcast to introduce the faces in and around the trade show and events industry. And here's our host, Scott Tokar. Hello and welcome to Face the Event. My name is Scott Tokar. I am your host. And if you're in the world of brand ambassadors, trade show staffers, uh, crowd gatherers, if you represent a brand as a gig, well, then this is the podcast for you. Uh, today, we have a wonderful um, talk with a brand ambassador. She likes to call herself a, a branding associate and a crowd gatherer. We're going to be talking with Sarah Kaneski in just a few minutes. But before we do that, we always start off our podcast with a question. And today's question is, how do you take care of your aching feet after a brand activation or a hard day on the trade show floor? Let's find out. What do you do about your aching feet? As far as aching feet after the activation, I think everyone has different tips and tricks. I, I like to, you know, just have an opportunity during breaks during the show to kick my, you know, my shoes off and let my feet kind of uh, not breathe, breathe sort of like get the circulation back into them. But my feet will still hurt after the show. <laughs> so I will soak and rub them and I will soak them in Epsonol salt and then rub them with a great thick lotion and put heavy socks over them while I sleep. And that feels so good. When my feet hurt after the show, the first thing I do is go get a glass of wine, preferably a Malbec. <laughs> you know what? I love just going back to my hotel room and soaking my feet in a nice hot bath. What I do is I put extra sole pads inside so during the show they don't hurt as much. Well, the best answer to that is try to get off of them. And that sometimes means saying no to your friends saying, hey, let's go out and do such and such tonight after the show. No, I'm gonna go back to my room and put my feet up. Sometimes you just have to make that sacrifice. Um, I'm sure a nice bath is, is good. Jacuzzi if you got one, Epsom salts perhaps. Um, I'm not really a bath person. I never take them at home, but after a day on a trade show floor, just soaking in a night night nice hot bath is just the best thing ever. Um, don't be out the entire rest of the night when you have to do another 10 hour day the next day. My feet hurt after the show, and that is when I know I have done a phenomenal job for the day. We wanna thank Philip Victor, Shannon Dade, Rick Gerber, Sasha Love Higgins and Larry Wyatt for their insight on how to take care of your aching feet. So as you may or may not be aware, if you've been a longtime listener to this podcast, I'm a trade show magician. That means that I work on a trade show floor. I represent products just like a regular brand ambassador or a, or a crowd gatherer or a, a badge scanner would do but I add magic to what I do. And uh, the person that we're going to interview right now uh, has worked with me as a crowd gatherer and also as a magician's assistant on trade show floors. She has many years experience and is happy to share with us some of the things like uh, how she got started in the business and um, what would your duties be as a crowd gatherer and how to get on the A-list of agencies out there. Well, without uh, blowing the entire interview, let's let her answer some of these questions. Please welcome Sarah Kaneski. 
So we have with us today, Sarah Kaneski. Sarah, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Fantastic. Thank you for joining us here on Face the Event. Now, we've known each other for a really long time, but um, you have to tell me, how did you get started in trade shows and events? So I, I really fell into it. It wasn't something that I seeked out. Um, I was doing a lot of um, acting gigs and uh, random jobs here and there. I would do a temp job for a while. And um, and so this was really great for me because I had the ability to to take time off. You know, when I was, I was working in an office for a while in an illegal office. And whenever I would have an audition, I would have to say, oh, I have a dentist appointment or I have a some kind of appointment, you know, and, and that didn't work for very long because they were wondering why I have so many appointments. And so this was great. One of my friends actually asked me, she said, Hey, we need a few more people for this event. I know you haven't done this before, but it's really fun and you'd be great. And I said, sure, that sounds like fun. And, um, that was kind of the beginning of it. And then, then after that, the agency liked me, they kept hiring me and it just snowballed and into events all day, every day. <laughs> so, you know, and this is something that, that I, what do you like to call yourself? I mean, you work a lot of trade shows. Do you work other events too? I mostly, I mostly do trade shows. Um, I haven't worked technically. I haven't worked trade shows for a while because last year I was in a full-time job, but I still worked a couple trade shows. Um, I'm no longer in that job anymore, but when I was doing it more and what I still call myself, um, you know, a lot of, Agents have different names for it. Some of them say crowd gatherer. Some of them say, say hostess. Some of them they say associate. So there's lots of different names. And typically when someone asks me, what do you do? I say I work in events. It's just a lot easier to say I work in events because people a lot of times don't understand. Or sometimes I'll describe it as I'm a spokesperson for, for different companies. So is there is there one of those titles that tends to make you more money? Or do you get paid the same regardless of what you're called? Well, the crowd gathering is what has made me the most money, um, you know, because it takes if, if, if somebody wants a really good crowd gatherer, I'm, I'm a really good crowd gatherer. And I, you know, there's some companies that, that they that they want you to scan tons of badges. Other ones, they want you to know everything about the product um, and they don't they, they want quality over quantity and some want quantity over quality. And I'm really good at um, jumping between the two. And um, I'm willing to work really hard, um, and I have a lot of energy. So I've really had some great opportunities and great crowd gathering jobs. But I would say product specialist or crowd gatherer tends so, to get you know, yeah. So let's go over your duties as a crowd gatherer. What what is your duties? What does a day look like as a crowd gatherer? Goodness, it takes up a lot of your energy. A lot of your energy. Um, you know, you always want to get to work early. Make sure you have a lot of caffeine on hand, um, your coffee and your energy drinks if you drink those, and make sure you have adequate food for your lunch and your breaks. Um, but you're always, what you're doing is there's going to be people walking by your booth. And a lot of times you're working with people like you're working with engineers or you're working with, you know, IT guys. And they're not, they're, they're working in an office all day long. And so they might not be used to being extroverts and going and grabbing people and saying, Hey, come in and check this out. Look what we have this year. This is brand new. And um, my husband's an engineer, so God bless engineers. You know, he's, he's an introvert. So they hire us to, to do that part. And we have to know about the product because, you know, if somebody says, well, what is this? You know, you, what, what do you guys do? We have to know 
what the company does. And we have to be able to say, hey, Scott over here, he knows a little bit about this. Come on over and, and visit him. We, all, we often have to scan the badges um, of the people, tell them about the events that are going on at the booth. For example, if there's any raffles or contests or um, you know, new products or giveaways, those types of things. That's basically what we're doing. But it really varies from client to client. So what do you, tell me what is scanning a badge? What exactly is that? And what do they do when they scan a badge? I'm confused. So everybody at a trade show gets a badge when they register. And that badge has, usually has a QR code or some kind of code that you can scan or an RDF. And so we take our scanners, which is, have been given to us by the the DES or the, the folks in the back, <laughs> the folks in the back, and they. Um, so then, when we scan them, we obtain their emails, phone numbers, their name and their title, probably their job, you know, their workplace. Um, and then we're able to send them follow-up emails, or they're we're able to get them on our, our email list. They might get a call from us. Um, it's better, I think, when they're a little bit more qualified leads. Um, sometimes the booth just needs to know how many people came by the booth. And yeah, so, so, just, so you're gathering the contact information. So at a trade show, you might have, let's say, uh, you know, a, a large trade show, you might have 40,000 people at a trade show. And the right. people that walk by the booth, um, if you can scan them, then you can gather their information so they can do post-show marketing. And yeah. and um, uh, this is also a great thing because it helps quantify. It helps them decide whether or not this is a good trade show for them to be at. Right. So the Were we in front of a lot of people or not? Did a lot of people come to see us or not? Right, right, right. So, so yeah. they're going to decide whether or not they're going to come back next year based on right. the amount of numbers that you get them. So as a badge scanner, as a crowd gatherer, you're really critical to that, to that exhibit, to that booth, uh, because you're <laughs> doing that function of gathering the, the, the contact information of the people. Right. right. So what kind of products have you worked for in the past? What kind of companies have you worked for? Um, a lot of tech companies, um, you know, gosh, I've worked for lots of tech companies. Tech companies and medical companies are my biggest ones. Um, you know, I've worked food shows. I've worked athletic shows. I've worked, I mean, you name it, I've probably done it. Um, but my, my main ones that I've worked towards the end of my, the second half, I would say, of my um, career have been the medical and the tech. And um, I mean, I've worked for Ixio is a big one that they hire me a lot, Um um, Samsung and Cisco and um, now do you travel or do you I know you're based in Los Angeles I think so do you travel from Los Angeles or do you just mostly do shows here there's not a lot of shows in Los Angeles um, so I do travel a lot and one of the really hard things about this job is that sometimes the clients don't want to pay travel for the people who are scanning the badges because they think that which is kind of true um, they think that, well, we want to hire, and they, they say this, you know, they say we want to hire someone local. But if you really, it, you know, and, and so sometimes you agree to it. Like in the beginning, I would agree to that um, because I was just getting my foot in the door. And so I would, and, and there are good pay rates. There were good day, day rates for your pay. So, but you really had to be cheap on the travel. So you had to get up there inexpensively, stay up there inexpensively. So if you had a friend or a family member, or crash with them um, and then maybe buy them dinner or something like that. But so that was how it was at first. And I have hundreds of stories about all the crazy travel and four girls in a hotel room and 
Um, yeah, a lot of times, a lot of times, other crowd gatherers, other badge scanners, other uh, event staffers will share. Uh, right. a hotel room like because right. you kind of know each other from maybe yeah. facebook groups or just working right. and you kind of know people and you say hey are you working this one and and they'll gather together and i'll bet that's a lot of fun though isn't it it's a lot of fun um it got to the point where at, at first i was just like uh, i hope that i like these girls you know i hope that we all get along but it, it got to the point later on that i was i preferred to be staying with them i mean these girls were my best friends and um yeah, I mean, it's nice to go back to the hotel room after we're done, talk about the day, have a glass of wine, relax. And, um, you know, in the morning, we would walk to the trade show together, go to the um, the exhibitor's lounge and grab a coffee. And it, it was really a lot of fun. And I really made some great friendships. Now, was- how, how long have you been doing this? Because it sounds to me like it's a career, like it's something that you've been doing for a long time to make uh, your primary income source. Right. It, it was my primary income. And now, so I'm not sure if you know this, I'm going to be starting as um, on the other side and booking people for, that's what I was going to start when COVID happened. Um, so I just landed a new job working for Accent. I don't know if you know Accent, Meredith at Accent. Um, and so I just got a job with them, but, and that was in February. And then um, obviously COVID happened. So then or I'm furloughed right away. Right. So just getting the job, you know, I'm furloughed. But yeah, it's a career and a lot of people will do it. I mean, I would have kept doing it. You know, it was a lot of travel, but this opportunity came up. And um, so I took it. Um, but people have been doing it. People do it for 20 years. I was doing it for over 10 years. Um, it, and if you're good at it, you can make a lot of money. You can. And, and it's recognized. You know, you're recognized by people as being one of the best in the industry. And, and me personally, you've worked with me. And, yeah. and that's because I consider you one of the best ones out there. So I know right. that when you're on a, on an activation, when you're on a trade show floor with me, I don't have to worry about anything. I know you're going to help get those numbers up for me and gather the crowd for me. And, you know, that it's worth a little extra to know you're going to get the job done in the right way. So exactly. um, a, your reputation means a whole lot in this industry. So it really does. tell me a little bit about, um, I, I don't know if I, if you see, see, you're kind of going into the world of uh, being in the in- agencies. Yeah. How much, how much can someone expect to get paid working a trade show? Um, so, you know, I was making probably, I, I bet you I was making among the top of what people were making, you know, because of people thought I was just so energetic. I mean, people were just like, how do you have that energy day in and day out? And um, I've always just been energetic. So I know that, you know, and, and that will get you secured for the next job. The client will request you each time. And then you'll say, you know, then after a while you'll say, you know, I want, I need to have travel paid for and everything, you know, I'm not going to share a hotel room this time. And then they'll say, okay, fine. Um, so then they'll, then you're just, you know, one of the crew after that. But, um, wait, wait, what was coming with the question? So the question is, I mean, you are a top, top performer. So, but but, yeah, talk to me about pay, maybe starting pay. And then what's the top end? You don't have to tell me exactly what you're making, but I mean, tell me what's going on in the industry. Right. So, so I think the low end is going to be some, some agencies will try to pay like 235. How much? Two thirty-five a day. Two hundred and thirty-five dollars a day. Yeah, which that's, is that's still pretty good money. It is pretty good money. It is pretty good money, and it, but it typically I don't think 
um, goes lower than that. I guess, I guess a while back, I remember one agency was paying 225. Um, but then, you know, 250 is kind of your general standard. Um, but a lot of people that, you know, have been doing it for a long time kind of expect 300 or 350. A lot of my clients were paying, you know, 450 plus travel. And right. so um, plus travel. So plus there's travel. no out of pocket then. So you can actually right. go to Vegas or to Chicago or, um, right. you know, Orlando or, or, you know, those there are certain cities that are really the kingpins of this right. uh, of this trade show world. So if you're already in Vegas, Orlando, Chicago, right. uh, New Orleans, um, maybe Denver a little bit, uh, San yeah, Francisco a little bit. Those seem to be the, okay. the, the, the big players. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so. So. How do I get a job like this? I mean, do I, how do I get to the agencies and things like that? It's so you have to, you have to make a profile for a lot of them. You have to make a profile for agencies that mostly book, you know, the crowd gather, lots of crowd gathers. If you're booking lots and lots of crowd gathers and that's your thing, you would, you need to have a, to make a profile on their website. They have a database and you make a profile. Otherwise it's just good to have, a resume, photos, maybe some video of you doing it, some MC work or working at a trade show. Maybe you're scanning badges and greeting people. That's always good to have. Um, a lot of my jobs have been through connections that I've made primarily. So, so um, to get started, maybe go to some of these agencies and make a profile on there. Make sure you have some photographs, I'm assuming. Yep, yep. And so, yes. fill out your, your resume. Yes. And and then accept at the beginning some of the less expensive jobs, right. and then and then work your way up because you network, you get to be known in the industry, and then you can ask for some of the better better gigs. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's how I've met almost everybody that I've worked with. It's just through mostly through connections. I mean, you know, I have a friend, and, and they'll say, you know, this Sarah Sarah might be available. She's really good, or you know. But that typically happens. And then once you work, but you, you don't want to just work that, for that company and then not work for them again. You want them to see how valuable you are and you want them to request you back year after year. And then it's really great when you have three or four different companies that want you for the same show. <laughs> right, right, right. So, so uh, how, how do you, um, uh, how do you begin getting more companies then? I mean, is it, is it because that one agency or do you do multiple agencies? You do multiple agencies. So, um, you know, I was working with you. I was working with, you know, Anders at Info Painters and Ken at Magnet and Event Pros and Accent and um, Promote Live. You know, I mean, I you Ben a little bit. Um, I was working with so many different agencies. Um, and after a while, you start to you start to get those regular clients. So you work all these different shows, and then the client will just say, "Hey, I want I want her back again. We need her back." And so it's nice when an agency will book you really far in advance, you know, and then you just know you have it, the gig. Um, but that's another thing is juggling schedules because sometimes shows do overlap. So if you have a show that you always work and another show that you always work and the dates happen to overlap, that can be really hard because you have to pick this client that you're always loyal to, an agency, and this client, an agency that you're always loyal to. And that's really hard. Yeah, not every trade show repeats the exact same dates every year. Yeah, Some of exactly. these trade shows move venue to venue, so they could be right. in Vegas this week or this year, and then next year be in Orlando. And exactly. and if they want you back, then they're going to have to pay to to have you travel. Now, tell me a little bit about a war of just who's going to pay more. 
Oh, yeah, you should. You should. And you should know which agencies pay more, too. Right, exactly. So that leads me to this question. How do I know that I'm working for a good agency? Tell me what, how, what's the flags? What are the indicators that you're with a good agency? So I like it when I'm working for an agency that actually knows me. I like it when they know me. When they see me, they know who I am. We've talked in person. They've come to the trade shows. Um, they know what I look like and they actually care. You know, there's a few a few agencies that I've worked for on and off and they wouldn't know me if they saw me, you know, because I'm just a person on name that they booked for a slot. Um, so the, the ones that I work with the most know a lot about me. They're my friends and um, I become friends with them over time. So those are the ones that I think are the greatest. And I also think that there's, it's good to have a little bit of transparency as to, you don't want to feel like you're getting cheated, but you also know that the agents have to make money too. That's what keeps their lights on. And, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of associates don't realize how much work it actually is for agents to do the booking and do the numbers. And a lot of times they'll do all of this work. And if somebody cancels, that looks really bad. And so there's just a lot of things that associates don't know. And a lot of times, you know, associates have other aspirations, associates of crowd gatherers. A lot of times they're in the Screen Actors Guild and they might get an audition or this happens a lot, a better gig will come up, you know, so you might be getting, you know, a certain rate, but then if somebody else offers something, you shouldn't go and take the other job, even if it's more money, you know, you shouldn't. Not if you want to be in this for the long haul. Exactly. exactly. Because this is a world of networking. Yes. We all know each other and right. the agents all know each other too. So yep. if you get that reputation, we've talked about this before on the podcast. If yep. you have the bad reputation, you're going to get the bad gigs. Exactly. So what exactly. does a bad agent look like? Well, so I had, can I give an example? Don't name names. Let's, let's, name let's names, yeah. Absolutely. So, um, it was 2015 and I got booked for FabTech in Chicago. Um, and they, they needed our sizes for our clothing. So I, I you know, um, my husband had Crohn's has Crohn's disease and he had to get an operation. He had to have a colectomy or where they take out a big portion of his intestines because it's damaged. So he told, you know, my husband said I was so stressed out over canceling, but I knew I had to cancel. Um, and it was, I think two weeks out. And, you know, my husband, bless his heart, he said, you know, I really want you to be there, not just for me, but because I know that if you weren't there, you would really regret not being there. And I don't want you to have that regret if something would happen. So I called up the, the agency and was telling them about it. They were so upset with me that, that I was going to go, um, you know, and be with my husband during his surgery. Um, and that was really hard. You know, that made me see this. You know, I mentioned that a lot of people cancel, you know, that's awful. So I'm sure that they get a, they get that a lot. Um, but there is the other side of things where, you know, if there is a family emergency, we don't have sick leave. We don't have things like that. If something happens, we can't, you know, that those are those four days that that client is going to see us. And if you're not there for that, those four days, that one time a year, that looks really bad. But the thing is, is we're doing show after show after show. Sometimes something might happen. Um, I mean, I've worked at events sick. I've worked at events, which is bad. I mean, hand sanitizer like crazy. But um, I, I, you know, that was the only time I can think of that I canceled. Um, 
out of all the years. Well, I mean, you're a gig worker. So, um, you know, there, there are great advantages to have being working the gig life. And that is that you really are in charge of your own career. You have many bosses, um, barring a major coronavirus outbreak that shuts down the industry. If (laughs) if I lose one gig, it doesn't mean I lost my jobs. I, I, I have many eggs in many baskets and can usually survive just about anything. Um, but, uh, I usually hear when I when I ask a question of what makes a bad agency, sometimes it's long time to get paid or oh, yeah, they're not communicating to you well or, you know, that kind of thing. Or, or maybe they just have a bad reputation. You didn't know. How would you what are the warning signs? So that is a really big deal. I'm um, yeah, they're the getting paid on time. And to be completely honest, I don't mind that as long as I know I'm going to get paid. But most people really mind it. You know, I, every three months I'll check my, my, you know, jobs in jobs paid. And if it's been like three months, then I might contact the agent and say, Hey, where's, you know, I haven't gotten paid for this, but I know that a lot of girls, it's really big deal. They want to know when am I going to get paid? Um, and if I'm not going to get paid within this amount of time, I don't want to do the job. And it's also really hard when you get certain information here's what you're going to be doing. And then when you show up, it's something else. You know, you might be hired to be scanning badges, but then they want you to be on the mic. Um, they, you know, and that's a higher rate. You, you know, should get paid more for that. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And so, um, and that might be something in the spur of the moment that the client just does. So that might be, you know, but, but the agency should always let you know that, you know, these are the things that are expected of you. If they ask you to do anything else, you need to call us. Um, it's good if they do a check-in or a lot of agencies will have a team lead and the team lead will check with the rest of the staff. I mean, the communication really has to be clear, um, down to wardrobe, um, down to what the company is going is like, what their website is. So you can do some research. So communication is very important. So if you could look back at, um, Sarah, a long time ago, and mm-hmm. this is when you're first getting started, and you had the the knowledge that you have today with all the experience and all the things you work with. Are there some pieces of advice that you'd give yourself, and maybe this would be valuable to someone that's just getting into this industry? Yeah, um, I think that I would have told myself to believe in yourself a little bit more at the beginning. I was naive, and I wasn't sure I could do things. Um, it really was a great fit for me. Doing trade shows was a great fit for my personality. Um, I think what I would tell a lot of girls, not me, I don't, cause I don't think that I did this when I was young, but I think that, or when I was starting, but I think a lot of girls have, they feel entitled. You know, they, they, they feel entitled, even though they might not deserve it yet. You know, they, they, um, you know, there's a lot of girls in this industry, uh, mostly girls. It's mostly girls. There are male crowd gatherers too, but it's mostly females. Um, there are a lot of girls that have been doing this for so long and they're so solid and so reliable and they're not going to get upset over, oh, I have to take my break later. You know, just those, those little things, those are such small things. And so um, I, I think that some advice would be to know that you're going to have to work hard and work your way up. You know, I mean, just like any 
any industry. I mean, I'm sure that you as a presenter and, and a magician and an illusionist, I bet you, you know that too. You know, you can't just go in and expecting the world on your first gig. No, you so. need to be humble and you, you need, need to, and you need to be very giving because yeah. um, your your clients, the people that are hiring you, whether, right. you, by the way, when I say client, you actually have two clients usually when you're yeah. doing this. You have your agency that's your that's your own personal client that's paying you, but the, it's the people mm -hmm. you're working for through the agency that are client your clients and boss there on the trade show floor. Um, they may not have worked with someone like you before, so you need to you need to be a little bit assertive um, to yeah. help them, but you need to be kind and do extra things. So sometimes right. sometimes it does mean picking up the trash can and and running yeah. over and emptying it, even though exactly. you're hired as a crowd gatherer, not as a janitor. Yeah. Trust me, trust me. Those right. things that they see you doing and right. being part of the team and helping really do make them want to use you again and again and again. Right. And, and it's when the agency gets the re the feedback that they want you back. Yes. You're now on the A-list. You're now going to be the one that they want to send out the most because they want repeat customers too. Exactly. That's absolutely true. And one thing that, you know, associates or crowd gatherers have to remember is this client, this may be the first time they've used a crowd gather and they might have been really on the fence about it. You know, they may have been thinking, oh, I've never done this before. Is it really worth the money? Uh, I'm not sure. And so then when they hire you, they really want to see that it makes a difference. They don't want you to come and be like, I'm not going to pick up the trash. You know, um, I was hired to just do this. And, um, you know, just just do what you can to help. Just do what you can. Remember that the client, they're people too. They are probably working from morning until late at night every day on this show. They want it to be a success. So um, when you go in there, help them make it a, a success. You want to go in there help, hoping that it's a success too. And doing all that you can to make it that way. So, Sarah, be before we finish all of this up, um, is there is there? Do you like people to follow you on social media? Is there any way that we can contact you? Um, yeah. I mean, you're going to be doing um, once we get back to normal trade shows again. You're yeah. going to be doing um, probably some of the management aspects of things. Right. How do right. I find you? So you can contact me at my email or my um, Instagram or Facebook. Well, let's give that, I'll tell you what, let's be safe because there's so many listeners here. If you give out your email, you're going to be spammed like okay. you wouldn't believe. <laughs> so how about your Instagram? How do I find you on Instagram? Um, it's Sarah Kineski. So S-A-R-A-K-O-N-E-C-K-Y. So it looks like Sarah Konecki, but it's Sarah Kineski. But just think of it like Sarah Konecki, K-O-N-E-C-K-Y. And that's me. And then the same as... Um, Facebook. I think it's facebook.com forward slash Sarah Kineski. Perfect. Perfect. Well, yeah. hey, Sarah, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. I'm You're sure that welcome. you've been a motivation to people that are thinking about a new career path. And, yeah. you know, I, I think that as we uh, get out of this COVID thing, um, people are going to be looking for jobs. And I'll tell you what, gigging doing short-term jobs sometimes can really mean the difference between making rent and not, and this is a great way to do it. So, exactly. It's so uh, much fun. And it's so much fun, yes, as yeah. you just said. I, you cut yeah. out there, but, but, I, but you said it was so much fun, right? Yeah, so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, thanks so much for spending time with us. Um, I, I can't wait to, to um, see you out there on the trade show again Yay. real soon. It was good seeing you. Thank you. Uh-huh. We want to thank Sarah Kineski for sharing with us some of the insight that she had to the world of trade shows and brand ambassadoring. Boy, I can't wait to get back out there on the trade show floor once this coronavirus thing is over.
We always like to end each one of our podcasts with a way to make you smile. And that's what we call a face palm. A face palm is one of those embarrassing or unusual situations that you've been involved in or you've seen happen around you while out on an activation. And today's face palm, I'm going to tell you about something that happened to me just about a year ago. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, you might see that right behind me is uh, a Guinness World Book of Records uh, plaque. And that came because I did the farthest teleportation of a human being from point A to point B. Our customer came to us and said, we want to be able to tie two tents on this very large fairgrounds together at the Farm Progress Trade Show. Now, what happened is this company had uh, merged with another company and they had two very large properties that were about uh, eight blocks away from each other. Anyhow, I said, no problem. Let's make my assistant vanish from one tent and instantly appear in the others. Using um, some technology, we can show the video of what's going on live and have an audience in both places. And hey, this might qualify for the farthest teleportation. They were sold. So we set it up and we did it successfully, as you can probably tell because of the Guinness World Book of Records. But we had only that one time to do this one trick. Here's why. Because um, when you're doing something for the Guinness World Book Records, you have to have an official there. So we flew an official in from Guinness World Book of Records to join us. When he joined us, we had to do this particular stunt at 10.15 in the morning. Couldn't do it later because he had to catch a flight to go do another um, you know, Guinness World Book Records thing. Well, we pulled this thing off. It was an absolute success and we had so much fun. But at 1030, literally right after we finished, the skies opened up. The, the, I mean, it's as if um, no one else would could do anything else on that day. Literally, it was almost a tornado opened up with hail, wind and downbursts. And since we're working in tents, we had to evacuate both of our tents. Well, having a large staff with me, it took a while for us all to uh, meet up in one place. We were able to meet up in one place and the show was canceled that day. So kind of a facepalm because had I not been able to do that uh, magic trick exactly at 10.15 a.m., had I waited 15 minutes for whatever technical reasons, we would never have the Guinness World Book Records and the trick would have never been done. So for me... That's a facepalm. Well, I hope you enjoyed our, um, our podcast today, and I hope you'll join us next week because I have some fantastic guests lined up to talk to you. So please subscribe using um, your favorite podcast um, listener. Like if it's Apple or Spotify or Stitcher or iHeartRadio, hey, so we'd click subscribe and do me a favor, rate us and give us a comment. A comment is like gold to us. I'm not asking for anything for you to pay for any of this information, but you can really help me if you'll rate and review this podcast. Well, until next week, I can't wait to be out on an activation with you. And remember to face the event.